What is up, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of Land Grand Holy Land. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, welcoming you into a brand new week. And as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. It was um, not not a super busy weekend for me, personally, because I, I didn't get super involved with the um the draft stuff but it was a busy weekend uh with ohio state football seeing how there were really two major news stories one being the draft which isn't as connected to ohio state and then the other being uh that the buckeyes have a new backup quarterback in gunner hoke yeah we're going to talk about both those today we'll get into gunner hoke a little bit later but since all of the nfl draft stuff just happened and there were nine ohio state players selected once again a banner year for ohio state in the draft second behind only alabama we're going to break that down and talk a little bit about where the players went and what their what their fit is what um how, how did you feel before we really dive into this i guess how did you feel about the nfl draft this year um i think in general I, I don't have a ton of strong opinions on it. Like I uh, like I said, going into the draft, the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl, and they did not change my mind on that. Um, I think Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward being in the same backfield is terrifying. Um, but outside of that, I think that there was <clears throat> generally less draft stupidity this year than usual. Um, certainly the... Uh, Daniel Jones being picked sixth, and Daniel ha- or, and uh, Dwayne Haskins going uh, what was it fifteenth? I think that's uh, pretty absurd. I, I think that that's going to be something that we look back on in a couple years, and everybody wonders kind of what New York was thinking, what a couple other teams in the league were thinking with um, wanting essentially a glorified um, Todd Beckman with the sixth pick. I, I think that that's that's pretty insane but outside of that i thought it was like you said a pretty great weekend for ohio state with nine picks um i was a little bit surprised to see mike weber go in the seventh round i was a little bit surprised to see johnny dixon go undrafted but i think in general everybody went just about where they should have um and i I think a lot of the fits are, are pretty solid yeah, it really wasn't the sexiest NFL draft, and that's what happens when you have like 15 D linemen that can be taken yeah. <laughs> in the first round. When there isn't, there wasn't a ton of receivers. There obviously wasn't a ton of running backs. A lot of those skill positions that take up most of the the air airspace really weren't there. And honestly, it wasn't like a high high quarterback class, even though there was three guys taken in the first round other than Murray there really wasn't much attention paid to these quarterbacks even when it came to uh to Haskins and the story of the draft probably was the Giants thing and that was the funniest thing I that was for me that was objectively good like I really I really (laughs) really really enjoyed it not only because I'm a Cowboys fan and hate the Giants but it, it was just funny because it wasn't people thought it was a smokescreen all along but like I was really kind of laughing at how crazy Twitter went about it because like the whole time people were saying this was gonna happen like I remember Charles Robinson from Yahoo tweeted out something that was like one team has Daniel Jones rated as the number one quarterback on their board and y'all know who it is like two days or three <laughs> days before the draft. And we all knew it was the Giants, and then it happened, and everybody freaked out. 
And I kind of just felt like th- th- we knew this was going to happen. That's what made it even funnier is the Giants never really tried to hide it. And then when they were like, yeah, we saw him for three series during the Senior Bowl and we were in love. That was that was awesome. And I say it all the time, and I've said it on this podcast before. I've worked in professional sports now for like five or six years. And I will say, whenever you hear somebody talk about, oh, you can't uh, you can't judge from the outside because you don't know what's going on, you can. Because there are a lot of stupid people in this industry. And the Giants and what they did was like <laughs> example number one of that. And it was just funny to watch all of that happen. And the Giants are going to super regret not only taking Dwayne Haskins, but like another productive player that they could have got there. <laughs> Yeah, I the the whole Daniel Jones thing, it certainly wasn't surprising to me cuz I I know how the NFL operates. I mean, Josh Allen was a top 10 pick last year. I, I don't think that the NFL has ever really been known for uh passing on bad quarterbacks that kind of look like good quarterbacks, you know. I, I think that Daniel Jones was drafted because he looks like Eli Manning and that's enough for the Giants, but um I, I did think that some of the quotes afterwards were some of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um the the one that I that I talked about a lot on Twitter and the one that I think stood out to me the most was Dave Gettleman essentially saying that he drafted Daniel Jones because nothing really matters and he might get hit by a car later. <laughs> and I, I think that that was that was an insanely good quote. <laughs> that or the Big Twelve quote was pretty. The hilarious. Big Twelve quote was also. He's yeah. like, yeah, we Just, watched Dwayne Haskins in the the Big Twelve title game. Is it the Big Twelve anymore? <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's that's just it's all so good i think dave gettleman is is really a treat for the rest of us to enjoy for presumably like four months until he gets fired <laughs> yeah D- dave gettleman owns but Dwayne haskins isn't going to be alone in washington because they also selected terry mclaurin in the third round and that's going to be a pick that i i think will really help him in his development to have somebody familiar with as he kind of grows as a rookie and straight away from those rookie mini camps to have a guy like Terry McLaurin who not only from a receiver standpoint but just from a work standpoint as well is really going to work hard and do whatever he has to do to get on the field and I, I'm still just in awe that Terry McLaurin is a third-round pick. It's it's awesome to see that he was able to transform his game the way that he did. And that that's a good pairing there. I think that that's going to help Dwayne Haskins tremendously. Yeah, I was. Um, I, I certainly kind of wish it wasn't Washington that took both of them, just because I have my own issues with that franchise and the, the owner of that franchise. But um, I, I think that... In general, especially we, especially with Terry, but I, I noticed that um, it seemed like Washington was really surrounding Dwayne Haskins with a lot of talent. I know that they got Montez Sweat a little bit later in the first round, um, Bryce Love in the fourth, which I still like. I'm not sure if if that will actually work um, post couple injuries, but I, I still have visions of his 2017-2018 season and how good he can be. And then. Um, I think it was uh, Kelvin Harmon in the sixth round. I was really surprised to see him fall that far. So it, it certainly seems like they are kind of committed to surrounding Dwayne Haskins with talent. And to see, like you said, to see Terry McLaurin as a third-round pick was just really awesome. I know that um, Ohio State put up a, a video of his 
kind of uh, getting the call and celebrating afterwards. And uh, I choked up a little bit watching that because, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. Um, he has been through so much at Ohio State. All of those receivers have. And, you know, Paris Campbell to go in the second round. Johnny Dixon, I think, signed with the Texans, if I remember correctly, too, to see all three of those guys getting a chance in the NFL. I, I certainly did not expect that in, you know, even last year at this time. I, I just... Um, the the turnaround is really really impressive and certainly you know couldn't have happened to three harder workers and three better guys. I think that Terry McLaurin is going to be one of those guys who's you know we've said this before he's going to be in the league for a really really long time and I think being there with Dwayne Haskins is going to be really really good news for both of them. Paris Campbell and T Y Hilton is a fun combination. That's a great fit. Yeah. in Indianapolis and that's a staff that I think will know how to use him because I, that was the thing I was really looking to when it came to him was, was he going to be drafted by a team and a staff that knows his limits and the stuff that, not that he struggles with, but just what he is as a receiver. And I think he can obviously improve and get better at certain things, whether it's route running or just the nuances of, of playing receiver, but he's already shown the ability to do that in his time at Ohio State, and I think that that's the type of forward-thinking offense that can really develop his game and utilize him to his strengths. So I, I'm looking forward to watching Paris Campbell play for Indianapolis. Yeah, I, I think that you know pairing him with Andrew Luck, pairing him with T.Y. Hilton, like you said, and putting him in an offense that, at least in 2018, ran a lot of mesh, ran a lot of air raid stuff. I don't think that they're full-on committed to it like someone like the Cardinals might be. But um, I do think a a system where he can still run a lot of drag routes, where he can still do a lot of jet sweeps, where he doesn't have to be depended on as a a true number one receiver and can be used as more of a kind of a receiver running back combo and he he really makes his living underneath um that's really the best possible situation for him with you know a quarterback that is we we know able to distribute the ball pretty well and will be playing for presumably a, a pretty long time from here on out i think that Indianapolis is really the perfect fit for Paris. We'd be remiss to not mention that Nick Bosa was taken to to San Francisco. That was the most obvious pick of the draft. It, it felt like that that was just a foregone conclusion with whatever the Cardinals were going to do. And I guess it was just apparent that they were going to take Kyler Murray. So Bosa goes to San Francisco. I can't see anything other than him stepping in right away and being like a defensive rookie of the year candidate if he's healthy and ready to go, I think he'll really transform that defense. Yeah, I, I think certainly as a player, I mean, we saw what what Joey did as a as a rookie, and then in his second year, and the the comparison is certainly tired, but it's it's you know that's kind of true. I, I think that when you're comparing the two, they really are pretty much the same player. I think that <clears throat> Nick will have a a pretty similar impact like you said day one I, I think he probably starts I think he probably changes the way that that defense plays and um, you know San Francisco's line is is starting to look pretty good and you add him on there I think that they can kind of turn their defense from a weakness into a strength because of the addition of that extra pass rushing from the edge and um, I'm kind of interested to see how he fits their personality wise <laughs> we won't go into that uh, too much because I don't, I don't really care that much, um, but I, I do think if anything is going to 
um, to trip him up there, it would be that he uh, he posts pretty badly. He he does not post well, and you hate to see that from a player. You want to see players getting off good posts, and he does bad posts. I honestly think too, like how how old is he? Is he twenty one? Yeah, something like that. That to me is like I I just have a personal thing where when it comes to that, I don't listen to anybody under twenty five. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry, Patrick. <laughs> but like, I, and I, I get why all that stuff blew up. But at the same time, it's like he he's an idiot. He's a kid. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's we know hard. That. It's hard to really like go crazy on him. And I think it, that probably something like that'll probably be good for him to get out yeah. to uh to the bay area and just experience something different and honestly like whatever whatever reaction to him was negative going out there i'm sure if he has like 10 sacks that'll yeah it'll go away as soon as they see him play that's what happened here immediately (laughs) um other ohio state draft stuff draymond jones goes in the third round to the broncos kendall sheffield goes in the fourth round to the falcons michael jordan in the fourth round to cincinnati Uh, i'm looking forward to him playing 15 all pro seasons at guard (laughs) isaiah prince he got drafted to the dolphins in the sixth round and as you mentioned mike weber goes to the cowboys in the seventh was there anything from that other group from the third round on that stood out to you um i i think that my only real thoughts on this this second group um Michael Jordan's decision to to leave, I understand it. I, I'm never going to complain about a player going to get their money. He's going to be making more money next year than he would have been if he had stayed at Ohio State. But I, I think that going to the pros the year after he played as a center instead of a guard is um, maybe maybe something that he might look back on as, as kind of a mistake because – I think if he plays in 2019 as a guard, he returns to that guard spot for his senior season. Um, I think he probably could have been a second-round pick, maybe even a first-round pick. Um, but when that that center film is fresh in the team's minds, and that you know, kind of the struggles that he had as a center, um, I think that really hurt him. I think that it hurt him enough to the point where he falls into the fourth round, which I, I think he is much more than a fourth than a fourth round talent. I think that we saw it at guard when he was, you know, younger at Ohio State. We saw how good he was at guard and um really a disservice that Ohio State did to him putting him at center. I understand why they had to do it, but um really a a poor fit and I, I hope that he is able to, you know, reestablish himself in Cincinnati. I'm sure he'll be able to, but um still kind of kind of a bummer to see that because I, I think that he is deserving of a a much higher pick and will <clears throat> kind of prove that in his first couple of years. My other thoughts on the uh, the later round guys. Um man, why did Mike Weber fall that far? Like <laughs> I I know that his uh his ceiling is not as high as some other running backs. I think we kind of know what he is now and um we know that he struggles a bit with injuries, but I think that you're getting a, you know, a a solid like 800 yards a year running back and a number two back in Weber. And I just, I don't know why that would be a seventh round pick that those guys don't grow on trees. And you know that he is, he's going to bring physicality and a a newfound breakaway speed. Um, And I, I just, I was surprised he fell that far. I think that's a really good fit for the Cowboys. My guess is despite when I say this, people are going to think, Oh, the Michigan state run from a couple years ago, he like 
I would imagine his tape just does not have a lot of explosive runs on it, and it doesn't have a lot of him making guys miss in the open field. And that's especially just, this past yeah, year. Yeah, that's yeah. just not his game. And honestly, like for as much as he had that bowling ball reputation coming into, he was never really a power back. So I, I think that Weber kind of just does everything good. He does everything well enough that nothing nothing about his game stands out. I think he's okay in pass protection. I think that he is sneakily good at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that that's a, a skill set we didn't really see him utilize here. And so what, what I heard people say is that he was like a dime a dozen back. And that sounds derisive, but I also think he didn't have any traits that really made him stand out above everybody but like you said a team like the Cowboys with a really solid offensive line where he isn't going to have to be the man they drafted a guy in the fourth round too he is going to have to work his way up and I, and I think that he's going to be able to there's no more Rod Smith in Dallas if they keep three running backs he's going to be one of the guys it'll be interesting to see if he has to play a little bit of special teams to get onto the roster but I, I like it too. I, I think that he's obviously hungry based off of what I heard him uh, say to the Cowboys people. They had like the, the phone audio and then brought him in for the for the interview. And he was surprised that he wasn't like a top three round pick. I, I wonder if he's, you talked about Michael Jordan staying in. I don't think he has any remorse because I think he was going either yeah, way. I don't think there was much to gain. He, he, was, he was legitimately shocked that he wasn't like a top three round pick. So that's a little bit interesting, but as we've seen, with he's so driven that I, I think that he's going to be able to have success. He's probably never going to be your number one option, but I think he's good enough, and he has a diverse enough skill set and just can do everything good enough to really be a solid and valuable player. Yeah, the, the comparison that I've kind of um, sat on with, with Weber for a couple of years now and really seen uh whenever i see both of them play is uh mark walton who used to play at miami now is um one of cincinnati's i think i think he's a backup i'm not i'm not sure how much he actually plays i know he played a little bit um but like you said not really great at anything but good at everything you know good pass catcher decent power not really a breakaway but can get you six or seven yards pretty consistently um i i do think that if um if any of the late round backs this year have the chance to be the next late round back to to kind of break through and surprise people, it's probably not Mike Weber, just because I don't think that's the way he plays. I don't think that he is, um, you know, the the uh, Philip Lindsay or the um, the Kareem Hunt type. I just I don't see him being that that kind of explosive player. Um, but I do think that. If he can win that main backup job behind Ezekiel Elliott and see decent carries, he could surprise some people. And I think that he can be a, a pretty consistent backup, kind of a fringe top 30-ish running back for a, a pretty decent career. And that, that seems like kind of best case scenario for him. I'm also keeping my eye on Draymond Jones out there in Denver to see how he does. Leading up to this, I heard a lot of people talking about how he was either like a first round type of guy for some teams and how other teams were super scared of him because I, I don't watch close enough to notice this type of stuff, but everybody that I heard knocking him was saying that when the 
right on the snap, he stands straight up, which is something I'd never noticed. And other than that, people were like, he's explosive. He shoots through gaps. He makes plays. And that's the type of stuff we saw. And Draymond Jones is either going to just break through and I think have like three or four Pro Bowl seasons and be a very good player, or I think he's going to kind of fade away. And I really liked him at Ohio State, and I think that he was way more important to this defense than a lot of people gave him credit for. He almost single-handedly won that TCU game with some of the plays he made on defense, and if he can fix whatever issues he has with his technique, then he is going to be a super productive player because just physically and his playmaking abilities – you don't see that a lot from an inside sort of D-end or or tackle. I think that if he fixes some stuff, he could be a really good player. Yeah, I, I don't expect him to ever be um, really elite, but I, I could see him finding a, a role as maybe not a, a full-time starter, but a pretty consistent contributor. Um, I'm not sure if he's a, a good enough athlete to break through as kind of an undersized defensive tackle but like you said I think if he can fix up his technique a little bit if he can figure out the um you know his his uh his positioning and not standing straight up after the snap um we we have seen him be really productive and he kind of knows how to uh how to hunt out tackles and I think that as um maybe a primary run stopper, maybe not so much a pass rusher, although he, he, you know, we've seen him pass rush before. He's certainly capable of it. But I think um, if he can maybe get a little bit more muscle, maybe refine his technique a little bit, he can certainly be a, a pretty consistent contributor for the, in the NFL for a while. 2020 mocks are already starting to come out, and <laughs> it's early. It is super early. But the one name that keeps popping up for Ohio State is – of course, the obvious one, Chase Young, who enjoy enjoy that last year now, folks. Let's yeah, yeah. let's get that last year <laughs> out of the way. And I'm looking up and down Ohio State's roster, and there this seems like it's the least obvious year for them to have a bunch of defections after this upcoming season from underclassmen. And I know that there are going to be names that pop up. One, Sean Wade. But one or two of those linebackers or corners is going to have a monster season and dip out. And I think he's he's one of them. But other than that, there really aren't a lot of names that are popping up for me that like, hey, these, these guys are leaving after next year. J.K. Dobbins, now that I look at it. But other than that, you know, maybe Jeff Okuda. There's only three or four guys on this roster, I think, that are – legitimate if you're just looking forward in april at guys that could leave for next year yeah i think that this this could be a a case of um it kind of depends on how the season goes and obviously that's the case quite a few years but um that that 2017 class is now juniors and we know how loaded that 2017 class was so i think if a lot of those guys, or even a couple of those guys, are to break through in the way that we expect them to. It could be another busy draft for Ohio State next season. Like you mentioned, J.K. Dobbins is, I think, kind of, he seems to be a top, you know, first-round running back right now. I'm not sure if I actually agree with that at this point. Um, I, I'm a little bit lower on J.K. Dobbins than most just because I think he needs to drop down to the playing weight he was at as a freshman. I think that Ohio State... And this is not his fault. I think Ohio State got him a little bit too big as a sophomore, and it showed in his footwork. It showed in his his breakaway speed or lack thereof. And I think that um, kind of a, a return to closer to 200 pounds would be really good for him and might get him 
pumped up the the NFL draft boards a bit. Um, KJ Hill is another one who I, I think will almost certainly be probably a, a first three rounds pick, probably not a first rounder, just because I don't think he's the flashy type or the the really big enough type to be a first round pick. But he'll be another one of those that sits in the league for a decade plus. Um, ben Victor is one who I think might kind of breakthrough a little bit this season we've been saying that for quite a while now but i could see that one happening this year especially with the passing game continuing to develop um thayer munford probably gone next season again hard to say with the line guys but he seems to have the the potential for that outside of that like you said i think that at least one or two of the linebackers and cornerbacks probably break through um i I would not be surprised if you know jordan full and Jeffrey Okuda are all top two round picks. Damon Arnett will probably sneak into the top, you know, five or six rounds. I don't imagine he'll be an early pick, but um, and then someone like Baron Browning and Malik Harrison will probably get some attention as well. But it it could be if Ohio State's defense struggles again, which I would not expect, which I would not expect. I, it could be a little bit of a a slower year, but I'm not I'm not anticipating that. Our boy Big Bob Landers too. If he has a yeah. big season, we've seen him. I think he could be another one of those third round guys who were yeah. kind of surprised falls to the third round because of his size. Love me some Big Bob Landers. Hopefully he's in. He's him. in for a big year. <laughs> what about Gunnar Hoke? Will the Giants draft him with the top fifty pick? <laughs> kind of looks like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I wrote yesterday about Ohio State's new quarterback Gunnar Hoke, who is a, I believe, a graduate transfer. I, I think that he graduated in three years and has two more years to play at Ohio State uh, from Kentucky. I wrote a. It's a, a pretty extensive, if I do say so myself, a pretty extensive scouting report that people can go read at landgrantholyland.com. Um, and essentially, the the gist of the of the piece and the thing to know about Gunnar Hoke is that um, Ryan Day is probably going to say it's a quarterback competition because uh, that's just what you do when you're a head coach. It isn't. Gunnar Hoke is not ready to be. I don't think a starting quarterback. Um, he has a lot of mechanical stuff that he needs to get figured out first, and I think that working under two really good quarterback coaches will help that quite a bit. But he has a tendency to—he's he's kind of an arm thrower. He, he has a, a tendency to throw just with his elbow and his shoulder, and that really doesn't— doesn't work at a high level like this and um he he got away with it a lot at Kentucky when he would play because he usually played against pretty bad defenses and um but you know he would he would find success even without the zip on his throws but he has a tendency to do that and if that ends up happening at Ohio State and he has to fill in as a backup he could find himself into a lot of trouble but the the other thing that I really saw when watching him was the the flashes of potential and they are there um he he hasn't played a ton in college but when he does make a good throw it's pretty obvious the difference in his mechanics it's pretty obvious when he has his whole body into the throw instead of just his arm and the zip is there you know it's it's obvious that he has arm strength that he has the ability to generate better throws it's just a matter of stepping into the throw it's a matter of remembering the fundamentals that he was taught and that's I mean, that's a really hard thing to establish in a quarterback is that consistency. But that's really, I think, the number one thing that Ohio State has to work on here is just getting it so that 
his good throws are every throw. And so that his, his good reps are every rep and that habit of kind of planting his feet in the ground and becoming a bit of a statue, making that go away. Cause I do think he has the physical ability to be a capable backup and even a, a capable stopgap player. If he does have to back up Justin Fields for a longer period of time, but as he arrives on campus, he is not that, and he he will require some some uh, some coaching, especially in the the mechanical department. My only real opinion on this is just that it's great to have another quarterback in the yeah. fold to, <laughs> yeah. to put to bring that depth up because you can't just have two scholarship quarterbacks, and to have a guy that it has at least practiced and played at the F- FBS level has seen SEC competition has practiced against SEC competition, that really helps. And you, you talked about the the flashes and the potential. If there's anybody that can work on that consistency and bring it out of a quarterback, I feel confident that Ryan Day can get the most out of him. And so that's really where they're at right now is, hey, just have enough guys to where you can feel comfortable about the depth behind Justin Fields. You know, Gunnar Hoke doesn't need to be a superstar. As long as these dudes behind fields know the offense, know what they're doing when they're in and are ready to go if they're called upon, that's the most important thing. And so bringing in a guy at least with a little bit of a pedigree, I think helps. Yeah, I I think that, you know, you saw um, last week, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but Ohio State goes out and lands 2019 preferred walk on JP Andrade and now you bring in Gunnar Hoke I feel a little bit better about the quarterback depth obviously it's not um it's still not ideal to have just three scholarship quarterbacks and really two who I would feel comfortable being on the field at all but I I do think it's certainly better now than it was a couple weeks ago when Matthew Baldwin left and I I think that the thing with Gunnar Hoke to remember and the thing that I think Ohio State fans can take some comfort in is um, if he is not right on the level that Baldwin was, he's real close to it. And I think he might even be better at this stage, uh, Hoke. And I, I obviously, you know, that's kind of what you would expect from a player who's older. But I do think in terms of being a backup this year, Ohio State might be a little bit better set up with Hoke than they would have been with Baldwin. And that certainly isn't a, a long-term solution, but I do think at least in terms of this season and next season, um, Ohio State fans and Ohio State should feel pretty comfortable with Hoke as their backup. I think that he is uh, a capable backup, especially, like you said, when he spends some time with Ryan Day. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with him being the number two guy behind Justin Fields. Can you imagine if Justin Fields got dinged up and Gunnar Hoke led a comeback win in Michigan Stadium, a, a dude with the last name Hoke just burying Jim Harbaugh. I feel like that would be very poetic. It would not be the first time that uh, someone named Hoke lost to Ohio State in Michigan Stadium. <laughs> no. Well, didn't technically lose, but caused Michigan to lose to Ohio State. <laughs> would not be the first time, but to be fair, Brady Hoke does have one win over Ohio State. He which does, is and more, that's more than Jim Harbaugh. More and than people Jim forget Har- that. People, you know what, Patrick? People do forget that because they do (laughs) because even even ron zook has more wins over ohio state than michigan head football coach ron zook he can recruit well we we've seen Mm -hmm. that i mean you know if ohio state's going and hiring a a former florida coach why doesn't michigan they're basically the same guy 
They they are. I feel like we should take this to the Michigan Board of Trustees and uh, former with former Michigan AD Dave Brandon putting together the slide presentation on the economics of it and just make this thing happen. The Michigan Message Board of Trustees. <laughs> oh boy, we couldn't we couldn't help ourselves here at the end. It always has to happen once. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's about it. Um, it was nice to have a little bit of news to talk about on this one. It's, uh, it's been very, very quiet. I like kind of a happy medium of uh, things to talk about and Michigan trash talk, I guess. But uh, I, I don't think I have a ton else. I think I'm pretty happy with this one. Not much else. We're, we're really in a quiet period right now, post-draft, waiting for college football. Yeah, we have football. entered the darkness. <laughs> yeah, waiting for college football magazines to come out. This is the point of year where if you guys want us to talk about anything or have any sort of inane questions about whatever, please send them our way, at Holy Land Pod. Patrick is on Twitter, at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. I am at Dubsco can also reach us at LandGrant33 and make sure to keep up with all of our coverage on the site, LandGrantHolyLand.com. We're also hitting you guys with multiple podcasts per week. There's so many, I can't even name them off. We got this one. We have In Conversation with Matt. You and Matt have the recruiting podcast. Jeff has his non-revenue sports tip going. So we're, we're all over the place, and we got you covered here on the Hangout in the Holy Land in the Land Grant Holy Land podcast network. But until next time, we want to thank you guys for listening. For Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.